0: hymns. So let's pray together. Father, we do praise you for this week. Um, Whether things happened to us that we didn't like or had a great week and we saw your blessings all week, either way we recognize that everything comes from your hand. As we sing from Lamentations this morning, we recognize every perfect gift comes down from the Father of Lights that you lavish your blessings on us because we're your children and you love us. We praise you for that. Thank you for an opportunity to come together, to spend some time together, to worship together, to uh, have a good time of fellowship, to sing some amazing songs that remind us about your love for us, uh, the necessity of our love for you and our service for you. Uh, that you deserve our praise, and we deserve to praise you, to recognize not just all the things you've done for us, but just who you are, that you are the mighty God who created this universe around us and amazes us with everything that we see. Use these songs and your word this morning to make us more like you. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Start with a great, uh, I think this is a hymn, I'm not sure. Uh, We will glorify the King of Kings. We will glorify the King of
1: Kings. We will glorify the Lamb We will glorify the Lord of Lords Who is the great I Am Lord Jehovah reigns in majesty We will bow before His throne We will worship Him in righteousness We will worship Him alone. He is Lord of heaven, Lord of earth. He is Lord of all who live. He is Lord above the universe. All praise to Him we give. Hallelujah to the King of kings. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Hallelujah to the Lord of lords who is the great I Am. alleluia to the king of kings alleluia to the lamb alleluia to the Lord of lords who is the great
0: Know if you know it or not, but that word hallelujah is cannot be translated in the Bible. They translate a lot of things into Greek from Hebrew and everything else. Hallelujah just is a worship word from God, and we sing it just as it is. Hallelujah to the King of Kings. <clears throat> Most of us in our lives don't, uh, some of you may, I don't know, bow on your knees when you pray. I've done it before. It's a an experience of humbling to recognize that uh, I'm just a little guy <laughs> in, a, in a huge universe, and the God of the universe gives me the opportunity to come and talk to him. And it's a, a worthy experience. But even as we sing, you can bow in your heart and in your spirit to recognize that he's the one who we owe everything to our lives, our salvation and to come and worship and bow down before Him.
2: Come let us worship and bow down
1: let us kneel before the Lord our God, our Maker. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our God, our Maker. For He is our God. And we are. The people of His pasture And the sheep of His hand And the sheep of His hand Come let us worship and bow down Let us kneel before the Lord our God, our Maker Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our God, our Maker. For He is our God. And we are the people of His pasture. And the sheep of His. She of his hand and the she of his hand,
0: just the she of his hand. Thank you, you may be seated. <clears throat> One of the great attributes of God is his faithfulness, faithfulness to us even when we uh, turn our backs on him, when we doubt him, when we question, when we even fight against his will in our lives, he's still there. It's uh, the picture of the prodigal son father and he's ready to eat pig sloppies in such a bad shape he says to himself, my dad's servants are doing better than this. I'm going to go home and get something to eat. And on the way, he's saying, I'm not even worthy to be a son. But the father comes running. Puts a ring on his finger and kills a fatted calf. (laughs) So the faithfulness of God, even when we struggle, and the fact that we know there's no sin in our lives that, can, that can't be forgiven, that can't come back to Him, and the fact that we have but to ask, and He takes us back out of a uh, tremendous love. A great hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness. Yeah.
2: O
1: oh God, my Father, there is no shadow of turning with Thee. Thou changest not Thy compassion, Oh uh-huh.
0: Another great hymn, <clears throat> recognizing the, uh, one of the other attributes of God is omnipotence, the power to speak the, the universe into being with just the word. And uh, the angels, when Jesus became a man, the angels worshipped at his feet, recognizing that the God of the universe had come down to the, this world. All hail the power of Jesus' name.
1: All hail the power of Jesus' name. Let angels prostrate fall, Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him. seed of Israel's race, he ransomed from the fall, hail him who saved you by his grace, and crown him Lord of all. hail him who saved you by his grace. Every tribe every on this terrestrial ball. To him, him all majesty, majesty astride, and crowned him. Lord, all and crown him for all. To him all majesty, all and crown him majesty, astride, and crowned With yonder sacred throne, We at His feet may fall We'll join the everlasting song And crown Him Lord of all We'll join the everlasting song
0: And we will be there and we will get to do that. That's kind of, maybe that'll be a good coronation hymn for Mm -hmm. Jesus as we see him crowned Lord of all. Last one I mentioned uh, earlier, this before we um, prayed, was Lamentations 3.23. The loving kindness, the mercy, the grace of God um, beyond measure to us. This was written by um, the prophet Jeremiah in the midst of some of the most horrific things happened to Israel and to him as a prophet because they refused to hear anything he had to say. And I think he might have almost felt like just giving up. But these verses were given to him by God. The Lord's loving kindness never ceases and his passions never fail. <laughs>
1: The Lord's loving kindness fell. Rồi I
3: Good morning. Our reading this morning is in Our reading this morning is in the book of Titus chapter 3 the entire chapter. Feel free to read along in a Bible you brought with yourself or one in the pews or uh, just be blessed by listening. Remind them to be subject to rulers, to authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good deed, to malign no one, to be peaceable, gentle, showing every consideration for all men. For we also were once foolish ourselves, disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our life in malice and envy, hateful, Hating one another. But when the kindness of God our Savior and His love for mankind appeared, He saved us, not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to His mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by His grace, we would be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy statement, and concerning these things, I want you to speak confidently so that those who have believed God will be careful to engage in good deeds. These things are good and profitable for men, but avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and strife and disputes about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. Reject a fascist man after a first and second warning, knowing that such a man is perverted and is sinning, being self-condemned. When I send Artemis or Tychicus to you, make every effort to come to me at Nicopolis, for I have decided to spend the winter there. Diligently help Zenos the lawyer and Apollos on their way so that there is nothing lacking for them. Our people must also learn to engage in good deeds to meet pressing needs so that they will not be unfruitful. All who are with me greet you. Greet those who love us in the faith. Grace be to you all. Father God, help us to do good and to be at peace with our neighbors so that they may see the witness of our lives. Help us to remember that we were once like them until God called us out and saved us, showering us with his love and his grace. Help us to show our neighbors what a life in Christ looks like. Help us not to be distracted by petty disputes but help us to be devoted to your word. And thank you for giving us the opportunity today to worship you in song, in the reading of your word, and the preaching of the same. Thank you for uh, giving us Pastor Steve, who loves you, loves us, and is devoted to your word. And help us to hear what he has to preach to us, and that we should also take it to heart. In your name we pray, amen.
2: Good morning. It's good to see all of you here at Hope Bible Church, those of you listening or watching online as well. Glad you can be with us last week. As you know, I was not here. We had our missionary friends from Italy, Frank and Pam. They were here online, and uh, that was encouraging, I've heard, but uh, just good to be back with you. I was thinking of that verse. It says in Psalm 9, 1 and 2, I believe it says, I will give a thanks to the Lord with all my heart. I will tell of all your wonderful deeds, <clears throat> so I thought I'd just share a couple of stories about this past week, our time up in Michigan, and uh, uh, it's it's good to tell the Lord, tell you what the Lord has done, as that verse just stated. I know that many of you were praying. I thank you for your prayers. We both thank you for your prayers because it really was amazing. We could go on for an hour. I could have Marsha come. We go on for two hours, just all the different things that happened. It's the kind of thing where. Um, you know, it was a vacation. We put up our feet for a week. No, we were doing a little bit of that, but we were, spent a lot of time with people. We went and stayed. First, we got in there Tuesday night at a place called Farwell, flying into Detroit, then up to Farwell, that's upstate Michigan. Marcia has a friend she's known. She's been here for 59 years, and they're still good friends. They can still, at the drop of a hat, just pick up from wherever they left off. They just really love each other. We stayed there two nights, and then um, then went into Houghton Lake, which is where Marsh was raised for grade school years up through high school, and graduated from there. But uh, that first night went to Shaker's Restaurant. There was Kathy, and Kathy was our server. And this happens all the time, but we got going, and pretty soon Kathy was crying, and Marsha was giving her a hug. And I don't know all that was said, but it was a good time, and the food was good, too. So that was Thursday night, went to our hotel, of course, and then Friday morning we had breakfast there at the hotel and uh, this happened for three days in a row we go down there we're the first ones there, usually about eight 15, and we're grabbing our breakfast you know our cereal boiled egg whatever you know and and then some classmates start coming in so we had this one table and every morning we're talking friday morning saturday morning sunday morning we were at the same table and there's like five or six or seven of us all sitting around talking for two to three hours and so that wasn't just, not just 30 minutes, but we were just sitting talking. In fact, Sunday morning, Marsha got to share a testimony with the people who were there. So that was an encouraging time. The uh, Friday night, Saturday night were the reunion times. And so we went Friday night, was 6.30 to 11, just talking to people, meeting people that had gotten saved um, in the years past, and that was very, very encouraging. Saturday night we went, it was from 4.30 to about 11.00. Again, so we were tired, it was just a continual engagement with people, it was a really good class. I mean, there's 96 students in a class, 17 had already passed away, but of the ones, that they, there's probably 50 to 60 percent of the ones that came that were still living, so it was, it was a very positive, positive, enjoyable time meeting up with people. In fact, one of the pe- persons is Mary Harrison, and uh, in fact, she just emailed Marsha back this morning had um, emailed her yesterday, and, and uh, she's the choir leader up at the church. In fact, seven days ago, at this very minute, we were in that church singing songs, Take My Life and Let It Be, and other songs, and listen to the preaching. So we were there last Sunday, so that was encouraging. But it was just a, a, a wonderful time, the people we met in the airport, and giving out tracks, and giving out blog cards. And and so I really want to thank you for the, your prayers, even traffic wise, you know, making the right decision at the last second. That happened a few times. Marsha was my navigator and she was whoa what's going kind of on here. But God helped us, so thank you for your prayers that we are back here safe and it's just good to be here. As you know, tomorrow's Labor Day, so I thought it'd be good to talk about working for God, laboring for God. It's important, um it's an important subject for God wants us to be ones who are working. And working for him. And I'm not just talking here this morning about secular jobs because maybe many of you don't have a secular job. I'm talking about how as Christians we're to be always working for him our entire life. That's that's the subject this morning. I want to share a number of principles about work and it's going to be next week's message too because there is so much to be said and I'll probably be Talking, you might think a little bit quickly, but there's just a lot in this subject, and I want to try to cover it in in two weeks' time here. A lot of principles that need to be understood and applied to your lives, ones that then will help you be ones who are successful and fruitful for Him. And so let's begin. First point is this. You are to work for God. Very simple. You're to work for God. You may have an earthly employer, but... Most importantly, you're to be working for God. Ultimately and most importantly, he is our Lord and Master, and we are to be ones who are serving him. Colossians three twenty four, whatever you do, do you work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men. It is the Lord Christ you serve. Ephesians 6, 7 says, you're slaves of Christ, and you're to render service to the Lord and not to men. And so God sees you all the time. We all know this, but we need to be cognizant of this. And we need then to see him as our Lord and Master and then be working for him all the time. That's, that's what he desires. Secondly, you want to please God by your work. You want to please him, knowing that God is your Lord and Master. You should please him and honor him by the things that you do, by the things that you say, by how you live your life. This is what he wants for you. If you work at a secular job, of course you want to please your earthly employer. We read that in, in Colossians 3, other places as well. Of course you want to please your earthly employer, but your primary objective, even in any job that you work at, whatever it is, is to please your Heavenly Father. Ephesians 5.10 sums it up. and says, find out what pleases the Lord. So you think about it. That's a good life verse. As you go through life, as you go through this day, tomorrow, the next day, whatever you're doing, find out what pleases the Lord. Thirdly, God, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit are always working. John five seventeen, Jesus says, My Father is always at his work, and I too am working. And as a Christian, you're not to be separately working from God. You're to be working with God. Very important. And in, fact, in, fact, in effect, then, you are joining with him and sharing with him in his work. That is the work that you do, is work that God wants you to do, and you are sharing, joining with him in that work. And and what a blessing it is. You think about this. What a blessing that we can work with God, that we can share in His work, that we can do the things that He wants us to do. It really is an amazing thing. You understand, you've all heard that verse, Matthew chapter 11, 28, 29, about our yoke is easy, our burden is light. And the idea of a yoke, and you all have this picture in your mind of of two animals, you know, whether they're oxen or whatever, and they've got this yoke that joins them together. We are yoked with Christ. And so understand that. We are yoked with him. We are joining with him in the work that he wants us to do. Next point is very important. Working for God relates directly to worshiping God, to your relationship with God. Matthew 4.10, you believe you know this verse, says, Worship the Lord and serve him only. Worship the Lord and serve him only. Worshiping God comes first before serving him. Worshiping God then is first. And worshiping God first means that God is first, and it helps then to spiritually orient your life in the right way. And when you worship God, then you love God. And if you love God, you'll want to work for God, and you'll love to work for God, in fact. That, that should be a, an attitude that God gives us as we see, I'm working for the Lord, not just some employer here. Worshiping God then motivates you to work for him and to serve him, but it also should, then should motivate you to work for your earthly employer, giving you a godly attitude. Turn to Psalm 92, and it conveys this idea of worship being first. Psalm 92, verses 1 and 2. It says it's good, verse 192, 1, it's good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your loving kindness in the morning, your faithfulness by night. Those first three thoughts, giving thanks, singing praises, declaring God's loving kindness in the morning. It's not a command, but it's his, 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 the psalmist's example. And I think it's a good example for all of us that we're to put pr- God first. We're to worship him first. So we're to start the day with worshiping God. Worship God before you work for him. Worship God before you go to work or do any kind of work. Give thanks to him. Praise him. Sing praises. And so there's no doubt then that having a close walk with God will help you be a good worker. I think the best example is Enoch. We've talked about him before. What's it say about Enoch in Genesis 5? What's it say? You know what it says. He walked with God. And what's it say in Jude? He was a preacher of righteousness. Sometimes you have this image. For 300 years or however long you live, he's just walking with God. Well, he did. That was his main he did, yes, he had that relationship but from that then he was a preacher of righteousness, he worked for God that's, that's the point that God wants to understand. The fifth point here is that the work that God wants you to do is work he planned out for you in eternity past it's what God has already planned out for you Ephesians 2.10 says we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God planned beforehand long before you were ever born God knew all the work, all the work that He wanted you to do. Turn to Jeremiah chapter 1. This example is communicated here. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4 and 5. The word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I've appointed you a prophet to the nations. And it goes on to explain what God wanted him to do. But you see it there. I formed you. I knew you. I consecrated you. I appointed you. All words that make it clear that God knew what he wanted Jeremiah to do. And God formed him in the way so that he could do that work. Psalm 139. I mean, this is very important. I, I sometimes hear this, someone that someone, I can turn there while I make another point here. I, I hear this on the news or some educator or somebody or whoever. You can be and do whatever you want to be or do. That's, that's crazy thinking. I, I'm not saying you shouldn't try, endeavor, have visions and plans and work towards a goal. I'm not saying that at all. But it doesn't work that way. You take uh, one given person. Oh, that person can be whatever he wants to be. You know what? Number one, God is sovereign. God is sovereign. He's in charge. We don't know his plans. Number two, there's opportunities, and y'all know this. Some opportunities come for certain people at certain times. They don't come for others. And 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 thirdly, it's how God makes you, which is what I'm talking about here. God makes you a certain way. You have certain abilities, certain gifts that you can't do anything you think you might want to do. So that talk really isn't correct. Sovereignty, opportunity, and God made you a certain way. Psalm 139 talks about this. Verse 14, 13, you formed my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. We're talking about a particular making, a specific making, not some general God makes everybody the same way. No, he's talking about who you are. As a person, your personality, your physicality, your emotional makeup. All these different things. It goes on. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance. And then this next connection, you've got to see this. And in your book were all written the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was not one of them. It's not just saying I ordained the number of days you're going to live 25,000 days. That's not it. What he wants us to do for that day. Every day for your life he knows because he made you a certain way. This is important to understand. Very, very very important and, and, and every person and for you and younger people especially if you're younger this should be one of your objectives God help me to know who I am and the kind of person that you made me to be physically, spiritually, mentally, emotionally so that I can do what you want me to do it doesn't always happen it's not, it doesn't happen in a day or a week it, it takes time you've got kids or high schoolers they're figuring out well, who am I even older, what am I to do? Most people don't know what to really do till later. I mean, this is important that you have understanding of how God made you so you can do the work that God wants you to do. So God planted all the work he ever wanted you to do, whether it's work around your house or whether it's work here in the church or whether it's work at some secular job, God Planned it all out. Number number six, God trains you. This all goes to Ephesians 2.10. God trains you to do the work he wants you to do. He says we are his workmanship. Workmanship meaning he trained you. He's working in your life, teaching you and training you to be and to do all that he wants. Look to God as your trainer. Things you go through in life are then part of God's training process, helping you then to be a good worker, an effective worker. Uh, examples here, you know these examples. Psalm 105. Talks about Joseph. Think about this: What happened to Joseph before he was raised to power there in Egypt? Where was he at for 13 years? In jail. That was part of God's training process. It may sound a little strange, but that was. That was part of his process. It's all different. We sometimes compare ourselves. So don't compare yourself to anybody. You're unique, and God has you in a unique place what he wants you to do, where he wants you to go, and how he has trained you. The other example, you know the story. First Samuel 17 is about David and Goliath. You know what happened, right? He went up to Saul. And they said, "What's, what's this little kid, what do you want? He's a 17-year-old kid. You're nobody. Get out of here. Hey, I, I can do this. I can get that Goliath. I've killed the lion and the bear. See, that was his training. God had helped him. He trained him. Lion and the bear i have done it. And then he killed Goliath, which is another way God was trained. I'm sure years later... David, remember, I remember when I took care of Goliath and God came through for me. So God's training us. It's important that you understand that. And it's important, too, to see that God continues to train you throughout your life, not just something when you're 20 years old or 30. God continues to work in your life. So don't ever think that you're done learning. You know, we think about going to school for so many years. Hey, you should always be in a learning mode, a training mode. God's teaching you so you can become better and more effective at what he wants you to do. It says in Psalm 1441, you know the verse, I believe it says, God is training my fingers for battle, my hands for war. God is our trainer. He is our teacher to do what he wants us to do. Ephesians 2.10, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. The work that God wants you to do is good work. The work you're to do on this earth is to be a benefit to your life, yes, to your life, to your family, to the church, to society, and really to the world at large. I don't know how it works, but you think about this. I, I, I sometimes think about how does God have it all figured out? All these people all over the world, billions of people have jobs and are doing work and everything just sort of going along. It, it's really amazing to me. But, but our work is important for our lives, our family, our church, but it really is part of the culture, the society, the world that we live in. God is wanting to use us in that way. Turn to, and Jeff read some of these verses, but turn to Titus. You, you see this theme. You can't get away from it, Titus. Titus 2.6 says, likewise. Two seven. Well, like what, six, Two, urge the young men to be sensible in all things. Show yourself to be an example of good deeds. 2.14, who gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed to purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good deeds. Three eight. this is a trustworthy statement. That and concerning these things, I want you to speak confidently so that those who have believed God will be careful to engage in good deeds. 3.14. Our people must also learn to engage in good deeds to meet pressing needs. So it's clear. Good deeds. God wants you to do good deeds. That's what he desires for you. Next point is a very important one. This is maybe one of the more important ones. I not need to classify, but your work is spiritual work. I mean, all your work is to be spiritual work. God doesn't want you to think about work as being either secular or spiritual, and sometimes and oftentimes he separate our, our secular work from our church work or our spiritual work, thinking that our church work or our spiritual work, that's, that's really important, that's viable, and that has eternal value and present value, and that our other work doesn't. That's wrong. It's the wrong way to think. The work that God wants you to do is spiritual work. Whether you're working at home today, I have to go home today and I have to get the garbage out, I have to mow the lawn, things like that to do things around the house. That's spiritual work, right? Spiritual work. Spiritual work he wants you to do. Whether you're working at home, cooking a meal, here at church, God has all this spiritual work for you to do every day of your life. God wants you to see this. That all the work that he wants you to do is good work and is needed work and is to be done for God and his glory for the benefit of others and is that then which results in eternal reward. So, so important. Colossians 3.23 sums it up as good as any. Whatever you do, whatever. Whatever you do today, do it for the Lord. Whatever. Get it? Get this in your mind because the whole world thinks differently And we need to think like God thinks. Number nine, God gives you talents that you're to use. I I sort of mentioned before, but just a couple more thoughts. Use in working for him, whether it's at a place of work or whether it's at home or whether it's God gives you talents. God gives you abilities, and God wants you to be faithful in using them. Very important word when we talk about work. Faithful, faithful. I really encourage and and I I think of people that are, are faithful, that just keep going doing something. In fact, I was at the pool the other day, and I was talking to the lifeguard, and, 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 and we just talked about oh, this one swimmer is going to swim an eight-mile swim in the Keys. I, I met, his name is Milt. I met him. He's going to swim, I think this next week. He's been training. I see him there in the pool, you know, six days a week, he's training and training. And well, then she said, this young lady there, young lady, she said, well, my mom's an iron, iron person. I can't say iron man. But, you know, she's done the 144 miles, bike 112, you know, the 26th run and the, what, two, three, four miles swim whatever it is. I think, wow. I'm always encouraged by anybody that is faithful to keep doing something for a particular goal. It's just, wow. Faithful, faithful. Matthew 25, well done, good and faithful slave, Jesus said to the person there. God also gives you a spiritual gift that you're to use in serving him. And the way you serve in the church is about always connected with the spiritual gift that God gives you. I've talked about this in the past. I'm probably going to talk about it another month or so this same subject of serving the Lord and serving in the church and using the gifts that God wants you to wants you, gives you. The gifts God wants you to have to do what He wants you to do. Number ten, God wants you, people to work at a job so they can meet their physical needs. Very simple one. If a person is physically and mentally Able to work, then he should work. God tells us very clearly, if a person doesn't work and is able to work, he shouldn't eat. So said, very simple. Second Thessalonians 3, one place for even when we were with you, Paul talking, we used to give you this order. If anyone is not willing to work, then he is not to eat either. Very simple black and white. Now, we could talk a long time about homelessness out there as a problem in this country. And it relates to this. I know there's other dynamics and so we're not having a full-blown discussion of why people are homeless and why they're sitting there and they want handouts. I'm not going to go into all that because there's a lot of different reasons. But one is this here. They just don't want to work. That's one. Okay. And there's others. I I understand that. But I'm going to say that God doesn't want a person who's able to work to be dependent on others. He doesn't want that. God wants people to meet their own needs and not expect others to meet their needs. And this is a huge issue. I mean, this is a huge issue in this country and all over the world. People who can work and who do not work are lazy. So God says, not my words, they're sluggards. As it says, we might look at some more verses next week and Proverbs about this. God has strong words. I want, to, I want to read these here. These are so strong. And sometimes I've read them. I said, this is Matthew 25. I said, man, these, God, aren't you being a little too strong here? Whoa, okay. I'll read them. Matthew 25, 24 to 28. This is the, this is the story of, of God gives talents to different people. There's the 10, the 5, and the 1. And the 10 and the 5 were faithful. The 1 had the 1. The 1 talent was not. And so he's talking about this person right here. And he says there, And the one who had also had received the one talent came up and said, Master, I knew you you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered the seed. And I was afraid and went away and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. But his master answered, said to him, You wicked, lazy slave. Whoa. That's the truth. That's what the Bible says. God says it you wicked and lazy slave. You knew that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I scattered no seed. You, then you ought, not, ought to have put my money in the bank and on my arrival I would have received my money back with interest. Therefore take away the talent from him and give it to the one who has the ten talents. God wants us to be ones who work and are faithful at our work and realize that God gives us the abilities to do that. I know this is in some ways a difficult subject, But still, there's principles that we see in the Bible that are true that we need to understand and apply to our lives and really to our culture at large. Number 11, you have to work for God one day at a time. Sometimes you're thinking about the things you need to do tomorrow, right? It's today. It's the 4th of September. You're thinking about what you need to do tomorrow and the next day and the next day after that. And and sometimes you do that and you worry. You get overwhelmed. You're thinking about the future. Very common. God wants you to plan ahead, yes. But remember, God gives you a 24-hour day. Today, September, September 4th. 24 hours. God wants you to focus on the work he wants you to do today. He wants you to do the work he wants you to do today. He does not want you to be distracted by tomorrow, the next day, or next week. He does not want that. I'm not saying sometimes things might not pop up and you think about it, pray about it, but doesn't focus on it. Don't focus on the future, focus on the present today. I'm a 7 to 11 person. What I mean by that is I get up at 7, go to bed at 11, around there. Okay, that's basically it. 7 in the morning, 11 at night. Okay, that's 18. No, 18. 16 hours. That's what it is. So I got, you know, was it 11, what is it, 1130 now? Whatever it is. So four and a half hours gone, I got another 11 and a half hours to go. And I want to do things for the Lord. That's how I think. And that's how God wants us to think every day is important. What's it say in Psalm 118, 24? This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in this day. Matthew 6, do not worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about tomorrow. Focus on today. Next point is this. It's good to plan your day. Remember, God is sovereign. Proverbs 16:9. Man plans his way and the Lord directs his steps. You know the verse. You should plan your day, you should plan out the work you believe God wants you to do. I think that's a good, that's what I do every day. Plan out the work you believe God has for you that day, and go about doing it. But remember, God is sovereign. God oftentimes does this with me, and I'm sure he does with you. Redirects your steps, changes your plans, changes the work he wants you to do in a given day. So it's important that to be sensitive to the spirit, be flexible, always be ready and willing to do whatever God wants you to do. That's the point. Here's the, here's the prayer. This is one of my, this is maybe my favorite prayer on asking God for leading. It's Psalm 143, I've shared it, shared it before. Psalm 143, 8 and 10, Show me the way I should go, for to you I lift up my soul. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. May your good spirit lead me on level ground. The, the point here I'm saying is that we talk about planning, we talk about God being sovereign, and, and part of that whole equation is praying to God. It says, God, here I am, I'm planning my day, but, but yet, you know, I know you're sovereign, I know you're God, and you can change anything you want anytime, and you pray. That's, that's all I'm saying. It's a very simple point, simple truth here. Thirteen, this is a very important one. You're to never stop working for God. You're to never stop working for God. That I should sure never stop doing the work of God. That's the point. Most people, as you know, in our culture, the United States, many cultures around the world, they work 40 years or so at a particular job or a particular jobs, something like that. And they retire anywhere. I'm talking on average, 62 to 70. That's sort of the general ballpark thing that happens. And what happens too in our culture is people get Social Security, Right? They get their retirement, they get their IRAs, their 401Ks, they get their annuities, whatever they might have. They have their money saved up for the future, and they stop working. They say, well, I think I'm ready to go. And their body's getting a little tired, too, and worn out. That happens as well when you get older. So, so that, that's, that's how people think. But there's one verse that sums up the attitude of many people. One verse. It's really key. Luke 12:19. The guy's talking to himself, this rich guy. So you have many goods laid up for many years to come. And that in itself is, 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 a, is a good thought. You think about your life and you've been saving and working and planning for this time when you're going to retire. And I've got things saved up. Hey, I, I think I'm good to retire. Okay. But what's he say? Take it easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. We, we, we oftentimes, you might even say to yourself to some friend, hey, take it easy. Take it easy. I'm not saying you can't say that, but. In the context, take it easy, this person's retiring from his actual secular work, eat, drink, and be merry, that is eat and have fun. Food and fun. Some people throw in family. And I, don't wanna, I wanna make sure I, you understand this when I say family, it is good to be with your family. It's a fine thing to do, to be devoted to your family, but some people are exclusive. All I'm life is, is fun, food, and family. And they're so cloistered together, they don't see, hey, I, I'm, still, I'm a Christian, I've got to reach out to others besides my family. I mean, this very minute, I think at this minute, and I wish I could be there, but God is in charge, because I know he really wants me here, is my relatives, first cousins from Las Vegas, first cousins from Chicago, first cousins from here and there, are in Des Moines, Iowa, at a breakfast brunch, and I'm not there. My siblings are there, I got five siblings, there's a big crowd of people there. And I sort of wish I could be there, but I had to make a decision. I'm with my wife one week, I can't be gone two weeks. I'm not gonna do it. I'm here. Okay. So it's fine to be with family, but this world mentality, food, fun, and family at times as well. Point is this: Christians can be wrongly affected by this worldly mentality and think then that they should just stop working at everything. And so we're at this reunion. Most people there, that reunion are 68, which is my present age. And, of course, you would think the majority people there at that reunion are retired from their secular job. That's the way it was. That makes sense, okay? But I'm thinking, here I am, okay, I'm working, and I'm going to keep working. I don't know how long I'm going to work, so I'm not telling you anything here. I'm just saying I'm going and I'm not saying you cannot retire please understand I'm not saying you cannot retire from your secular job I'm not saying that at all what I'm saying is you need to keep working for God that's the point until the day you die or the day you rapture I understand too man I'm getting older and I feel and I take naps once in a while you've got to pace yourself when you get older you pace yourself you change certain things you do so you can keep going I understand all that but the point is you keep working that, that's all. And it may be sort of different than what you did 10, 20 years ago, or a lot different. But you keep working for God. I mean, it's all these examples. you got Moses, the classic. I mean, you know, he died when he's how old? 120. 120. And his last 40 years were the most productive of his life. You all know the story. God gave him the grace and the strength, of course. But then, then I was thinking about the apostles, and we, we have history stories all the apostles, they kept working. What happened to 11 of them? What happened to 11 of the apostles? How'd they die? <laughs> they were martyred, which means they were working clear up to the very end. And then you got John, he was 90 years old at Patmos, and he was writing the book of Revelation. There's all kinds of examples. We're here to keep working. And this mentality is strong in our country. When you get to be 62 or 3 or 4, you just stop working. You're done. Take it easy. Have fun. We're up at this friend of hers, and I'm not dismissing her in any way. I'm just giving you a general point. She's on this lake. Medium-sized lake, not real big. And so, like, everybody and their brother had pontoons. Then we went to this other lake marsh. Oh, like, pontoons is a thing. Pontoons. And what do you do on pontoons, man? You have fun. You take it easy. You eat. Family. I'm not saying it's wrong. You can have a pontoon, but that's their life. You understand. Please don't misunderstand me here. God says we can relax. We can be with family. That's fine. It's good to enjoy the things that God gives us, but yet we should not just dismiss this fact that God wants us to have too. This mentality, I'm going to keep working for God. It's going to change. How, you know, you adjust. I understand that. I'm getting older. I feel it. I know it. My body isn't what it was 20 years ago. So I know but we still are to keep working for him. That's what we are to do. Next point, Christians who have just retired from their job are to keep working. What should they do? I'm just gonna throw out some ideas here, okay? Because, okay, here you are, you're retiring, I don't have a set, what do I do? Just a few things here. You might have grandchildren. It's sort of funny. We were talking to one of our classmates. And this classmate and his wife, they are great-grandparents. And I'm thinking, and you know, Marsh and I, we aren't even grandparents yet. We're the same age. And so you, 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 I, I smile, I sort of laugh inside how God is sovereign. Because if you are grandparents, it's going to take a little more time in your life. And that's not a bad thing, because that's how God has sovereignly worked it out. God hasn't done that. If I had grandparents, I may not be here quite as much. Okay? That's, that's the way it works. Anyway, what do we do? Time with grandchildren. Might be more involved in serving the church. You might spend more time with Christians and fellowship lunch. You might be using your gifts and abilities more. It might be that you're spending more time in prayer. We have the classic example of Anna, Luke chapter 2, and she was praying day and night. With the example of Tabitha in Acts 9, and, and you know she died. And what's it say? Man, she was doing all these things for her neighbors and friends. She was a seamstress. She was sewing. She was serving. She was using her abilities clear up to the end. And so, so the point is this, is, is that God wants us to keep serving him. I hear this sometimes, not all the time, but some people, oh, there's nothing to do. Nothing to do. Uh, that, that phrase is so foreign to my thinking. Nothing to do. Man, I, I I I'm the opposite, I, and i got to watch it. Marcia sometimes says, Steve, come on, just cut back that list a little bit here. But we need to be ones, hey, keep working for the Lord. He has things for us to do. Keep loving the Lord, keep loving his people, and he will keep leading you to do the work that he wants you to do. That is what will take place. Next, God wants people to work with a good attitude, with godly character. God wants people to work hard. God wants people to work smart, to work diligently, to work cheerfully, to not complain, to work wholeheartedly, to persevere in their work, and to be faithful at their work, to be steady at their work. That's what he wants them to do. I'll never forget this story. My grandfather lived up in North Ossia, him and his wife, and he had a farm, 120 acres there, corn, beans, some livestock. And right next to that farm, and I think he told me about it, it was obvious Right next to that farm, there's a farm, and there's weeds in the bean fields, and the grove was cluttered, and machinery sitting here, and machinery sitting there, and, and and that guy's not working very hard. You know the verse in Second Timothy two, hardworking farmer. He wasn't working hard. He wasn't a good farmer. He was just not as diligent. Okay, God wants us to be ones who work hard for Him. Have a good attitude. All these things. It says in Proverbs, "Poor is he who works with a negligent hand, but the hand of the diligent is, uh, hand, of, but the hand of the diligent is not negligent." Not. What, I say I got to write. I I jot these things down sometimes, and I and I sometimes can't read my own writing. So, that's what happens. Proverbs 10, verse four. Poor as he works with a negligent hand, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. That's what it is. And there's many more. I'm going to talk more about this particular subject here next week of how God wants to work with a good attitude. Next, this is important. God wants you to be satisfied by the work that you do. God wants you to finish the work, to complete the work that you do, and then to be satisfied, to be happy, to be glad, to be fulfilled, to be content. Whether you're a teacher or a cabinet maker or a mother or a nurse or whether you're... um, uh, we're working in a restaurant or serving in the church. God wants you to finish something and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for helping me to get that done. Thank you. It's very important. So you're doing something, then you pause and stop and rest and bless the Lord that he gave you the grace, the ability, the time, the energy, the talent. Do what he wants you to do. That's a, that's, a, that's a good thing to do. Let's look at some verses here. I'm going to just run through a few real quick. Proverbs, if you want to turn there, you can or just listen. Proverbs 12:14. Proverbs twelve fourteen. A man will be satisfied with good by the fruit of his words, and the deeds of a man's hands will return to him. 13, 2. From the fruit of a man's mouth he enjoys good, but the desire of the treacherous is violent. That's an interesting verse. He says, says, good will come from your speech. If you're a good speaker and speaking in a wise and godly way, you'll be blessed. There'll be fruit. There'll be results from your good speech we continue 14:23 um, in all labor there's profit but mere talk leads only to poverty <laughs> good point sometimes and y'all know people that they just seem to talk a lot what are they doing i'm not saying you can't talk but don't just be a talker be a worker that's what he's saying in that verse 1821 more Eighteen twenty. With the fruit of a man's mouth, his stomach will be satisfied. he be satisfied with the product of his lips. God wants this. You work for him, and God wants you in your soul, in your spirit. And maybe others don't see it. Others don't have to see what you do. It might be just between you and the Lord. You're satisfied. God sees what I do. And that's what's really important anyway. It's not a, life isn't a matter of trying to get attention for ourselves. We all know that. Colossians, next point is this is that God wants to reward you. Just one point here. I'm going to, you see it on your, your uh, bulletin there. I'm going to spend two messages on this one subject alone about how God wants to reward you. Lord. For, from the Lord you receive the reward of the inheritance. Absolutely amazing truth. And I will admit, I told some of you this, that I, I have studied a lot of subjects in my life as a Christian, as a pastor, 40 years of, of going for him. But I did not, did not, until the last year, study this one. And it is so relevant. And, mo- and I don't hear many messages on it. it. It's really shocking to me. And it's all over the New Testament. And I will say one thing. If you really understand this truth about rewards, it will revolutionize how you work. It will revolutionize. I mean that. It will revolutionize. This is powerful. So make sure you come next week. Make sure you don't miss the next two weeks after that last two weeks of this month of September. So it's, a, it's an amazing truth. You all know, you all. I think you've all worked at a secular job, and you get paid, right? Whether it's every week or every two weeks or once, you get paid. But you have to understand that God wants to pay your wants to pay you for your earthly work with heavenly rewards. And we just don't think about that. Okay, I got my money, got my pay, can pay bills, do this, whatever. We don't think that way. The work you do. Whatever you do, God wants to reward. That is the verse. Whatever you do, do your work hardly as for the Lord, rather than for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of inheritance. That's why I should have said that before. The first phrase in that verse. Whatever you do, do it for the Lord. Right heart, right attitude. God reward. Isn't that powerful? That's amazing. That changes everything you do about today. Now, Matthew 6 talks about Fasting for the Lord and, and, and giving for the Lord and praying. Three different examples. And, and there, the Pharisees, there they were fasting, you know, and everybody saw it, and they were giving in public, you know. But he says, if you fast, and these are spiritual points here, but you fast, you pray, you give in secret, God will reward you. And that means eternally so. So you, you give to the Lord, you know, something today or maybe online, however, and you give it to the Lord with the right heart, he'll reward that. Isn't that powerful? And, and I've just begun. We've got so much. We've got two weeks of this, Just, and I want to then cover it all. And God, then, is extremely generous. You know, you know people that are generous. You work at a job, and whether you work at a job and to get paid much or got paid well, God's really generous. His pay is eternal pay. It's out of this world. It's incredible. Absolutely incredible. A couple more verses on this and then we'll move to the next point here. 1 Corinthians 3. 1 Corinthians 3. Verses eight, Verse 8, then 13 to 15. 1 Corinthians 3.8, it says, He who plants, he who waters... Are one, but each will receive his own reward according to his own labor. You can't miss it. You work for God, you get your own reward according to your own labor, according to your own work. It's a personal, individual thing. That's what it is. It's simple. Verses 13 to 15. Each man's work will become evident for the day, the day of Christ, when Christ comes back. The day will... Show it because it's to be revealed with fire, and the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. If any man's work which he has built on it remains he'll receive a reward. Work done for the Lord, you get a reward. Next verse. This is for Christians. This is for Christians here. 15. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. Some Christians aren't serving the Lord like they ought you're saved, the works burned up. If they'll get to heaven. They won't be rewarded as much, some, but not much. And again, we're going to go through all this a lot more. There's a lot more to be said about this, but it's an important point we talk about work, and I don't want to skip it at this time here. John seventeen four, I brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. This verse is speaking of Jesus, but I believe we can apply it to ourselves, and the point is simple: that you bring glory to God by completing the work that He gives you to do. That's all. Again, we get that day of Christ. You and the Lord are there. God gave you work to do. Did you do the work? Did you do the work? As a Christian, you're to do the work that God gives you to do, and you're to complete the work. And of course, as we know, as you think about your life, your life, there's all kinds of some things you do, or something takes maybe 30 minutes, and God wants you to do it. It might be just a prayer for somebody. And that prayer for somebody will get rewarded by God in heaven. Isn't that amazing? Simple. Amazing. Wonderful. Beautiful. So there's different tasks, assignments that God gives you through life, and you do that for the Lord, you complete that, and He rewards you. He will reward you, that is. But there's another point I want to share here too. This general concept is a lot of you here are older in years, and you look back at your life, and you all smart enough to know that you weren't perfect, okay? You've messed up at times and done things you ought not to do and some of those things you did are going to be burned up. But you look back and you think, you know, God's helped me. God's helped me to keep going for him. And he is pleased. And and your life in general then has brought glory. So I'm talking about specifically bringing glory by the specific things you do but also this generality where God in general is pleased with you. He's pleased with you. Matthew 25, 21. I mentioned this before the three people that got ten talents five talents one talent 25 21. and this i believe is is going to, to happen well verse 20. the one who had received five talents came up and brought him five more talents saying master you entrusted five talents to me see i have gained five more talents his master said to him well done Good and faithful servant. You are faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And so a person who works for the Lord and God is pleased then, you'll be commended. I believe personally commended. Well done. And rewarded. Put you in charge of many things. You might say, well, I'm not that that kind of person. I couldn't be in charge of anything. If you serve the Lord in whatever way God wants you to serve him and are faithfully serving, God will bless you and reward you and give you all the ability and grace you need. In, I'm particularly talking about the age to come and the ages after that. age to come, you'll be reigning and serving with Christ, and you'll be rewarded. And the work that you do relates to the rewards that God then is going to give you. As you can see, I've covered 18 points here. I'm not even done. There's a lot to be said about work, but you think about it. You live on this earth You're not playing all your life You grow up, go to school Get a job and you work But the mentality I'm saying here We need to have as much more than that Is as a Christian Whatever you do And I'm not trying to tire you out here Because sometimes I think Man, Steve's tiring me out All this work I've got to do <laughs> Okay, you've got a 24 hour day You take part of that day To rest and sleep, right? That's what you should do You pace yourself. Wisdom. God will lead you. He'll help you. Plus, the work you do is the grace he gives you. He'll give you the grace to do it. So please understand that. But work is what God wants you to do. It's what you need to do to make money. It's good for your life. It's good for the church. It's good for society. It's that which brings satisfaction to your soul. And it's that which then is a glory to God. And next week, we're going to look at some more truths principles about being a successful worker and also some examples because when you look at the bible this is a very interesting thing to do you think about the bible you read the bible and you're reading you know all kinds of stories about people and when you read about people you're reading about the work they do i mean you go back to i don't care you talk about noah and moses and david and it's always about their work. So you read the Bible. You read stories about people's work. And so there's many examples. So the thing I want to say here is you read your Bible, look at the examples who have worked before you, whether you look at Hebrews 11 or someplace in the Old Testament. There's all kinds of wonderful examples. We'll look at some of those. Again, just I want to say it again. I, I love this verse. One of my favorite verses. John 17:4. I brought you glory by completing the work you gave me to do. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time we bless you for your great love and kindness to each one of us here. Lord, thank you. We know that you worked. You created this world. We know that you still work and are always working. And Now we can work with you. It's such a wonderful thing. It just blows me away. We can work with you and you give us the grace. You give us the work to do and the grace to do it and, and, and the joy in doing it and fellowship with others. We do it, Lord, and it's productive and it has value and then it's also eternally rewarded. Amazing. Amazing, just unbelievable. Thank you, Father, for being such a kind and gracious and loving Father. You've saved us. You love us, and now we are here on this earth as Christians, your children, to work for you. Lead us, Lord, individually in the work you want us to do. Lead us collectively. This church here, we as a church, Hope Bible Church, we do the work you want us to do. Bethel Baptist, they do the work you want them to do. Lead them, God, lead us. Help us, protect us, and as Nehemiah said, help us to stay in the wall because we can be distracted so easily by things we think about. It could be some distraction in our mind or some other distraction. Lord, help us to focus with you and love you and, and day by day, just take one day at a time, one day. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Thank you again, Lord, for this church. Just again, protect us, guide us. Those who couldn't be with us today, I pray for your hand upon them. Those who are listening online, bless them as well, Father. Thank you again for your love and kindness, your mercy, everlastingly so, and even now as we have communion to celebrate once again the great love you have for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If the singers could come up at this time, we'll have our time of communion.
0: Stand as we do our communion song together. It's a great <clears throat> hymn to get our minds in the right places for us communion uh, to remember how deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measures.
1: Mm-hmm. How deep the Father's love for us! How vast, beyond all measure, that He should give His only Son to make a wretch His treasure! How great the pain of searing loss! The Father's love for us! Turns his face away, as wounds which mar the chosen one bring many sons to. Upon a cross, my sin upon his shoulders. Ashamed, I hear my mocking voice. God, among the scoffers, it was my sin that held him there until it was a calm. dying breath has brought me life. I know that it is finished. I will not boast in anything. No kiss. No power, no wisdom But I will boast in Jesus Christ His death and resurrection Why should I gain from His reward? I cannot give an answer But this I know His words have made my ransom. Why should I gain from His reward? I cannot give an answer, but this I know with all my heart, His words have
0: You may be seated.
2: We're talking about the work that God wants us to do, but we all know that the most important work is that God, through his Son, did for us. That is the work of Jesus Christ, and that's why we take this time now to remember that, because we should. Because if you don't remember that and think about that, then we lose that motivation that heartfelt love from God for us that helps us then to live and work in the way that God wants. I just want to go through a few verses in Isaiah. The whole chapter is is classic with reference to Christ and what he did for us. I just want to look at the last few verses. And I'm going to go through the NIV, so you might have a different version, but that's where I'm at. I'm just going to read from this here and just make a couple comments. Verse 10. Yes, yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. Very Plainly, God's will. God wanted his son to be crushed. He wanted him to suffer. That's, that's what it was. And though the Lord makes his life a guilt offering, and we go back to the Old Testament, we read about all these different sacrifices and offerings and what Christ did on the cross, was primarily, principally, a guilt offering. That is, we're the guilty ones, and he was seen as one who was guilty, and so therefore he had to pay the price. It says, it says, he will see his offspring and prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. It's some of the language, a little bit clearer to say. As he talked about God the Father, Christ the son, I, I think this here is God the Father, that God himself will see his offspring, see the offspring of his son, the results of his work, and prolong his days. Christ dying and that's not it. He will live again, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. So... This plan, this will of God for his son is something that they knew way back in eternity past. This whole plan of, of creating a world populated by people. Some people turn to him, some people don't, some save, some not. But God's will is being accomplished. After the suffering of his soul, we know that he suffered physically, but it's interesting. The suffering of his soul. I mean, physical suffering is hard. Suffering to the soul is harder, okay? I think a lot of you know what I mean by that. You have some kind of difficulty, whatever it might be, and the soul is suffering. His suffer, sold. And principally, you know the verse Jesus says in Matthew, it's in Matthew. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He was suffering in his soul because of our sin, but also because of his relationship with the Father was at that time broken. After the suffering of a soul, he will see the speaking of the Son, will see the light of life and be satisfied. Jesus will be raised again from the dead. He'll be satisfied. And so there's no doubt it had to have been difficult as he was thinking about what he had to do, go through the cross and suffer. But he knew this. He, Jesus knew these verses here. He knew that, that hey, I'm going to make it. There's going to be the light of day. I'm going to be satisfied. And by his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many. That is, Jesus knew. He had the knowledge. He knew exactly what was taking place, and not just in general, but specifically. And, and, and I believe this, that you know, we all have committed a fair amount of sins throughout life, right? Quite a few. I, I, I believe he knew them all. And, and his knowledge, and of all the people that ever turned to him. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many. doesn't say everybody, but many. Many will be justified, that is made righteous, perfectly holy, and he will bear their iniquities. So this is again important to think. Your sins, you'd have to do anything for them. It's Christ who took them upon himself. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great. He will divide the spoils with the strong. Again, Jesus had a vision of the future. He knew about the next age, the millennial kingdom age. when he'd be king and we'd be his kingdom. And he also knew about the age after that, the eternal age. He had a vision of all eternity. And he's on, really, on earth It's a short time in view of the entirety of the, the wholesomeness of life. And so he saw that, what was going to happen in the future. And, and I can't help but think that he was envisioning that time when we'd all be perfect and perfect fellowship. And we'd all be glorified, as it says in First John chapter 3, we have bodies like his. I, I believe he was thinking about that and, and looking forward to that time when we'd all be together. Everything's perfect on this world, and everything's perfect in every person's life, and the evildoers are gone and apart from him forever. It's just, I, I can't help but think that, that that's what he was thinking. He poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. Have have no idea, again, what was all going through his mind that last week or really his whole life, but he poured out his life unto death. It was numbered with the transgressors in that... He was dying between two thieves, two sinners on the cross, and he was perfect. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors, meaning all of us who believe in him. And so it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful truth, that, and it's, just, it's important to remember, because sometimes we can feel bad about our sin. On one hand, you know, we need to be remorseful and repent of our sins. That's true. But we should repent and move on, and knowing this truth that he bore, it, he took care of it, that Jesus is satisfied. He said it's finished on the cross. Read there in John nineteen thirty. He's happy about everything. We should be too be thankful. So that's we come here today to say, Lord, you know, thank you for what you did for me. But we first want to take just a minute, because we read this in First Corinthians eleven, that we want to be ones who our hearts are right with God, and, and that's part of the thought of first John chapter one as well, that we confess our sins to him, so we can be right with him. So it says there And those verses we can be ones who walk in light. So just take a minute to pray. If there's some particular sin God brings, you might confess that, get right with him, and then we'll have our time of, of communion. Father, we just thank you again for this time. We bless you for bringing us together, our church here, a small assembly of believers, so we can remember you, Lord Jesus, you, Father, and thank you, give thanks to you for the the wonderful thing you did for us, saving us and keeping us saved and giving us your spirit. And now we have eternal life and we're being sanctified. And there'll be some day when our salvation will be complete, we'll be glorified. we will be like you, Jesus, amazing. I just, it's a wonderful thing, this Just justification, sanctification, and glorification, all because of you, Lord, that you took our sins, you bore our sins. And it says you bore our iniquities, it means you, every single one. I think we all understand that we have more thoughts, sins, than anything else. Sins of actions, sins of words, but it's our thoughts. Every one, we thank you so much for your love. And Father, we tell you, Lord Jesus, we tell you, Holy Spirit, we tell you, we love you this morning. Who you are and what you've done for us. And we now want to have this communion time to remember you and, and never forget you, even though we do forget. We want to say we don't ever want to forget you. That should be our heart. So thank you now for this time. We can hate to remember you. In Jesus' name, amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse uh, 23. I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying... This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of, remembrance of me. Or as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Father, again, we thank you for this time. And I would just pray, Lord, that you help each of us as we go through the month. Until we meet again like this and remembering you in communion that we would really have communion in our heart with you every day. Remembering your love for us. Ever forgetting the Lord. And then our response to you as I read today in Matthew chapter 20. 20 um, 26. We're to basically love you with all our heart. 22. To love our heart and mind and soul. We do love you and thank you again for your great love for us. We pray this in Jesus name. Amen.
4: Activity-wise, we have our prophecy Bible study this Wednesday. If you're able to come out at 6:45, uh, this Friday will be the men's meeting. So we'll have dinner together and uh, some Bible study time in. If you're able this Friday, 6:30. And uh, just wanted to mention that there is a calendar in your bulletin today. So take that home and stick it on your refrigerator or what have you for activities coming up. Um, We are having a barbecue in November, so mark that one on your uh, calendar. Uh, People always enjoy that time of fellowship, and that's November. Um, We did recently revamp our ministries uh, as far as uh, different uh, focuses and people involved and so forth. So we are thinking about Steve's message today about serving the Lord, and although we've tried to structure those ministries well as we can I will say that, um, you know, always feel freedom to fill in the gap where you see needs amongst the saints. Don't wait for a ministry. You know, that's not the way uh, it's meant to be. We um, we try to do those to help us focus and to have resources available when we structure those ministries. But, you know, you are the body of Christ, and he works with, as Steve said, your gifts to serve others and serve the church so uh please don't don't like i said wait around uh you know if you have an interest in a in serving others and you want to talk to leadership about that you know that's fine too maybe maybe you do fit into a ministry but again individual serving is is great so keep that in mind now we have our last song and uh, offering wise you've got the a box on the back table. You can mail it into the church or give online. Thank you.
0: I invite you, if you can, to stand one last time with us as we sing. <clears throat> Always try and find a hymn that is a encouraging one of people. Of, um, Go out and get them. Go out and serve Jesus Christ, as Steve's been talking about today. Go out into the world and take Jesus with you. This is a great hymn of worship. Or worship the King, all glorious above.
1: love our shield and defender the ancient of days pavilion in splendor and girded with praise O tell of his might, O sing of his grace whose robe is the light, whose canopy space is? cherry of wrath, the deep Thunder clouds form And dark is His path on the Wings of the storm Thy bountiful care What tongue can He It breathes in the air It shines In the light It streams from the Lift, it descends To the plain. And sweetly distilled in the dew and of rain. Frail children of dust and feeble dust as frail. In thee do we, we trust, nor find me, to, me fail. to fail. Thy mercies, how tender, how fair to
2: From Psalm eighty six. I will give thanks to you, Lord, with my God with all my heart, will glorify your name forever, for your loving kindness toward me is great, and you have delivered my soul from the depths of the grave. Amen.